Mount Everest, The Reconnaissance, 1921, Chapter 17, The Route to the Summit, by George H. Lee Mallory. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The reader who has carefully followed the preceding story will hardly have failed to notice that the route which has been chosen as the only one offering reasonable chances of success remains still very largely a matter of speculation. But the reconnaissance, unless it were actually to reach the summit, was obliged to leave much unproved, and its value must depend upon observations in various sorts and not merely upon the practice of treading the snow and rocks. Speculation in this case is founded upon experience of certain phenomena and a study of the mountain's features, and it is by relating what has been only seen with known facts that inferences have been drawn. It may perhaps be accounted a misfortune that the party of 1921 did not approach Chang La by the East Rongbuk Glacier, the Lokpok law proved a bigger obstacle than was expected, but in conditions such as we had hoped to find before the monsoon, this way would have had much to recommend it. It avoids all the laborious walking on a dry glacier, and with hard snow, the walk up to the pass from the camp on stones at 20,000 feet should not be unduly fatiguing. Still the fact remains that the descent from the Lac Pala onto the East Rongbuk Glacier is not less than 1,200 feet. Would it not be better to follow up this glacier from the Rongbuk Valley? The absence of wood on this side need not deter the party of 1922. For them, plenty of time will be available sufficiently to provide their base with fuel, and the sole consideration should be the easiest line of approach and though no one has traversed the whole length of the East Rongbuk Glacier, enough is known to choose this way with confidence. Here, as on other glaciers, which we saw, the difficulties clearly lie below the limit of perpetual snow, and the greater part of them were avoided or solved by Major Wheeler, who found a practicable way onto the middle of the glacier at about 19,000 feet, and felt certain that the medial moraine ahead of him would serve for an ascent, and be no more arduous than the moraines on the West Rongbuck Glacier had proved to be. The view of this way from the Lac Pa La confirmed his opinion, and though it may be called a speculation to choose it, whereas the way from the east had been established by experiment, it is a fair inference from experience to conclude that the untraversed section of the East Rongbuck Glacier, a distance which could be accomplished very easily in one march, if all went well, will afford a simple approach to Chang La. The eastern wall, about 1,000 feet high, by which the gap itself must be reached, can never be lightly esteemed. Here reconnaissance has forged a link, but those who reached the coal were not laden with tents and stores, and on another occasion the conditions may be different. There may be the danger of an avalanche or the difficulty of ice, from what we saw this year, before the monsoon had brought a heavy snowfall, it is by no means improbable that ice will be found at the end of May on the steepest slope below Chang La. In that case, much labor will be required to hew and keep in repair a staircase, and perhaps fix a banister, 
so that the laden coolies not all of whom will be competent icemen may be brought up in safety the summit of mount everest is about six thousand feet above chang la the distance is something like two and a half miles and the whole of it is unexplored what grounds have we for thinking that the mountaineering difficulties will not prove insuperable that in so far as mere climbing is concerned the route is practicable two factors generally speaking have to be considered the nature of the ground and the general angle of inclination where the climber is confined to a narrow crest and can find no way to circumvent an obstacle a very small tower or wall a matter of twenty feet may bar his progress there the general angle may be what it likes the important matter for him is that the angle is too steep in a particular place but on a mountain's face where his choice is not limited to a strict and narrow way the general angle is of primary importance if it is sufficiently gentle the climber will find that he may wander almost where he will to avoid the steeper places long before we reached chang la mr bullock and i were fairly well convinced that the slope from here to the northeast shoulder was sufficiently gentle and that the nature of the ill-defined ridge connecting these two points was not such as to limit the choice of route to a narrow line looking up from the north coal we learnt nothing more about the angles the view however was not without value it amply confirmed our opinion as to the character of what lay ahead of us the ridge is not a crest its section is a wide and rounded angle it is not decorated by pinnacles it does not rise in steps it presents a smooth continuous way and whether the rocks are still covered with powdery snow or only slightly sprinkled and for the most part bare the party of nineteen twenty two should be able to go up a long way at all events without meeting any serious obstacle it may not prove a perfectly simple matter actually to reach the northeast arete above the shoulder at about twenty eight thousand feet the angle becomes steeper towards this arete but even in the last section below it the choice of a way should not be inconveniently restricted on the right of the ascending party will be permanent snow on various sloping ledges an easy alternative to rocks if the snow is found in good condition and always offering a detour by which to avoid an obstacle from the northeast shoulder to the summit of the mountain the way is not so smooth the rise is only one thousand feet in a distance of half a mile but the first part of the crest is distinctly jagged by several towers and the last part is steep much will depend upon the possibility of escaping from the crest to avoid the obstacles and of regaining it easily the southeast side left going up is terribly steep and it will almost certainly be out of the question to traverse there but the sloping snow-covered ledges on the northwest may serve very well the difficulty about them is their tendency to be horizontal in direction and to diverge from the arete where it slopes upwards so that a party which had followed one in preference to the crest might find themselves cut off by a cliff running across the face above them but one way or another i think it should be possible with the help of such ledges to reach the final obstacle the summit itself is like the thin edge of a wedge thrust up from the mass in which it is embedded 
the edge of it with the highest point at the far end can only be reached from the northeast by climbing a steep blunt edge of snow the height of this final obstacle must be fully two hundred feet mr bullock and i examined it often through our field glasses and though it did not appear insuperable whatever our point of view it never looked anything but steep to determine whether it is humanly possible to climb to the summit of mount everest or what may be the chances of success in such an undertaking other factors besides the mere mountaineering difficulties have to be considered it is at least probable that the obstacles presented by this mountain could be overcome by any competent party if they met them in the alps but it is a very different matter to be confronted with such obstacles at elevations between twenty three thousand and twenty nine thousand feet we do not know that it is physiologically possible at such high altitudes for the human body to make the efforts required to lift itself up even on the simplest ground the condition of the party of nineteen twenty one in september during the days of the assault cannot be taken as evidence that the feat is impossible the long periods spent in high camps and the tax of many exhausting expeditions had undoubtedly reduced the physical efficiency of sahibs and coolies alike the party of nineteen twenty two on the other hand will presumably choose for their attempt a time when the climbers are at the top of their form and their powers will depend on the extent of their adaptability to the condition of high altitude nothing perhaps was so astonishing in the party of reconnaissance as the rapidity with which they became acclimatized and capable of great exertions between eighteen thousand and twenty one thousand feet where is the limit of this process will the multiplication of red corpuscles continue so that men may become acclimatized much higher there is evidence enough to show that they may exist comfortably enough eating and digesting hearty meals and retaining a feeling of vitality and energy up to twenty three thousand feet it may be that after two or three days quietly spent at this height the body would sufficiently adjust itself to endure the still greater difference from normal atmospheric pressure six thousand feet higher at all events a practical test can alone provide the proof in such a case experiments carried out in a laboratory by putting a man into a sealed chamber and reducing the pressure say to half an atmosphere valuable as they may be when related to the experiences of airmen can establish nothing for mountaineers for they leave out of account the all-important physiological factor of acclimatization but in any case it is to be expected that efforts above twenty three thousand feet will be more exhausting than those at lower elevations and it may well be that the nature of the ground will turn the scale against the climber for him it is all important that he should be able to breathe regularly the demand upon his lungs along the final arete cannot fail to be a terrible strain and anything like a tussle up some steep obstacle which would interfere with the regularity of his breathing might prove to be an ordeal beyond his strength as a way out of these difficulties of breathing the use of oxygen has been recommended and experiments were made by dr kellis which will be continued in nineteen twenty two even so there will remain the difficulty of establishing one or perhaps two camps above chang la twenty three thousand feet 
it is by no means certain that any place exists above this point on which tents could be pitched perhaps the party will manage without tents but no great economy of weight will be effected that way those who sleep out at an elevation of twenty-five or twenty-six thousand feet will have to be bountifully provided with warm things probably about fifteen or at least twelve loads will have to be carried up from chang la it is not expected that the oxygen will be available for this purpose and the task whatever organization is provided will be severe possibly beyond the limits of human strength further another sort of difficulty will jeopardize the chances of success it might be possible for two men to struggle somehow to the summit disregarding every other consideration it is a different matter to climb the mountain as mountaineers would have it climbed principles time honored in the alpine club must of course be respected in the ascent of mount everest the party must keep a margin of safety it is not to be a mad enterprise rashly pushed on regardless of danger the ill-considered acceptance of any and every risk has no part in the essence of persevering courage a mountaineering enterprise may keep sanity and sound judgment and remain an adventure and of all principles by which we hold the first is that of mutual help what is to be done for a man who is sick or abnormally exhausted at these high altitudes his companions must see to it that he is taken down at the first opportunity and with an adequate escort and the obligation is the same whether he be sahib or coolie if we ask a man to carry our loads up the mountain we must care for his welfare at need it may be taken for granted that such need will arise and will interfere very seriously with any organization however ingeniously and carefully it may be arranged in all it may be said that one factor beyond all others is required for success too many chances are against the climbers too many contingencies may turn against them anything like a breakdown of the transport will be fatal soft snow on the mountain will be an impregnable defense a big wind will send back the strongest even so small a matter as a boot fitting a shade too tight may endanger one man's foot and involve the whole party in retreat the climbers must have above all things if they are to win through good fortune and the greatest good fortune of all for mountaineers some constant spirit of kindness in mount everest itself the forgetfulness for long enough of its more cruel moods for we must remember that the highest of mountains is capable of severity a severity so awful and so fatal that the wiser sort of men do well to think and tremble even on the threshold of their high endeavor End of Mount Everest, The Reconnaissance, 1921, Chapter 17, The Route to the Summit by George H. Lee Mallory, read by Phil Schempf.